Well, hello everyone. How's it going? How's everyone doing? I just want to welcome you to church, everyone that's in the room and watching online as well. You brave the elements, you're here. It's amazing. My name is Tasana, and I'm one of the Go Kids pastors. I have the privilege of being one of the Go Kids pastors here at the Apple Valley campus. Um, I am married. We've been married for almost two years, my, my husband Sam and I. Um, we live here in Apple Valley. We love this city. We love your city. Um, and I love being a kids pastor because kids teach us so much about the world, about the gospel, about who Jesus is, and so much about ourselves. So um, I'm so happy you're here today. We just concluded um, a series on Christmas, and it was all about how Jesus brings the joy on Christmas. And we had an amazing Christmas Eve service. Did everyone have a good Christmas? Everyone have a good Christmas in the room? I love, love Christmas. But before we go any further, I do want to honor Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca for just giving me the opportunity to speak, giving all of the young communicators of the church an opportunity just to share. Um, and also honor Pastor Kirk and Kaylee. They're amazing. And um, just thank you for what you pour into the young leaders of this church. But um, so Christmas, there's something so special about Christmas, something so special Christmas brings to our lives. It brings buzz. We love more. We serve more. We give more. We eat more probably. We bake more. All those things. Um, but I don't know if your family is like my family. But on Christmas morning, after all the gifts are done, after all the hype has kind of settled down, there's always one person in my family that says with such disappointment, well, it's over now. Like, it's over. Let's tear everything down. Um, and that's, that is a true feeling that happens. Our research says that 25% of people after the Christmas season enter into some kind of holiday depression, post-holiday depression. Um, and this could be, I mean, we go back to work. We've had time off. We go back to work. Normal schedule is resumed. We could be feeling guilty because of things we've eaten. The holidays may bring mixed emotions with family, or you may have celebrated the holidays missing someone in your family. Um, our loved ones may be gone. Anything like that. And January 1st brings all of those things back to a head where we're back to work. We're thinking about our diets, all those sorts of things, and it brings up a lot of emotion. But what if this year, instead of putting Jesus away, so we box up our nativities, we put Jesus away. What if this year we kept him out? What if this year, instead of joy ending at the Christmas season, that it continues on into 2020? What if this year, instead of boxing Jesus, we take him into 2020 so near and dear to our hearts? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to me to 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your souls. At the end of the message, um, we're gonna give an opportunity for people in this room uh, to accept Jesus into your heart and accept that inexpressible joy that I just mentioned into your heart. But the title of my message today is Joy Isn't Seasonal. So, being a kids pastor, this is probably relevant to what I do, but I love kids movies. I love animated kids movies. Has anyone in here seen the movie Inside Out? Inside Out? Okay. So this was the first movie that I thought of when I was thinking of the word joy. And if you haven't seen it, it's about a little girl. She's 11 years old. Her name's Riley. And she moves from Minnesota. In the movie, she actually lives in Minnesota. She moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. And there's characters that play her different emotions. So there's five emotions that these characters play. And it's fear, anger, disgust, joy, and sadness. Those are her five emotions. And it's actual characters. And so with the move from Minnesota to San Francisco... Sadness kind of comes up to the forefront and her emotions are trying to balance all this stuff. And she has core memories and in the movie it's actual 
balls that are represent her core memories. And the core memories are different colors for each of the di different emotions that are tied to that core memory. And most of the core memories are yellow, which is joy. So fast forward, there's a beautiful moment at the end to Riley with her family and she's crying. So sadness is still at the forefront. She's crying because she's sad because they moved. She can't make friends. She's having a really hard time with it. But then she's also smiling. She's able to process with her family. And there's this core memory that's created that's both sadness and joy. So half of the ball is blue and half of it is yellow. And I say that to remind us that joy and sadness or insert whatever you're feeling, fear, anger, disgust, can live together. Our circumstance doesn't doesn't dictate our reaction and our feeling to things. So my first point is, first and foremost, we must understand that joy is not circumstantial. While the Christmas season brings the joy, we have to remind ourselves that the cross sealed our joy. When Jesus died for our sins, he not only saved us from those sins, but he also implanted a joy in our lives that can't be suppressed by anything. In James 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But I want to be clear, and many, many of us know this, but it's a good reminder that happiness and joy are two very different things. So happiness depends on our circumstances. We can be happy about the assignment we turned in, about the project we completed, about the closet that we cleaned out that we've been meaning to get to, about the raise, anything that makes you happy. But joy is a choice. Joy is choosing to be happy when the circumstance may not lead that way. So joy is facing things like fear and anxiety and death or unemployment, whatever you're facing, and choosing joy, not choosing those worldly things. So my husband, he's a big runner. I am not a runner, but he is a big runner. And this earlier this year, he ran an ultra marathon. If you don't know what an ultra marathon is, it's anywhere above a marathon. So he chose to ran, run 50 miles. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I, I would not do that. Um, but he chose to run 50 miles. And I was at this ultra marathon and these runners are like going past me and they're laughing, they're high-fiving each other. They're stopping at like the first aid and food station, like talking with people, laughing. And I'm thinking like, this is, cra this is crazy. They're running, like they're running 50, anywhere from 50 to 100 miles. And these people have so much joy. And I was talking to my husband after and kind of talking about the process of what it looked like to run that. And he was saying, you know, one mile, you're on top of the world and the adrenaline kicks in and you're feeling good. But then the next mile, and it could be a matter of seconds, you're feeling, I don't want to do this. I'm done. My body hurts. My toenails falling off. I'm done. Like I'm thrown in the towel. All those things. And so it's so interesting that just like the strides of an ultra marathon runner change that quickly, strides in our life bring different emotions that change so quickly. So one season we can be feeling on top of the world. We can be feeling like our life is going great. And the next season, in a split second, it could happen. Fear creeps in. Anxiety creeps in. The enemy will try to steal our strides throughout our life, but joy will endure we may not have control of our situation, but what we do have control of is our perspective. What if instead of leading our lives according to our circumstance, we led with joy, knowing that sometimes the breaking of us is the making of us? So joy is a choice we make. It's not something that is reserved for the spiritually mature or those that are going through good seasons. I think about the moments before we react to something. 
We have a choice on what we say, what we do, how we hold ourselves, how we make other people feel. And sometimes, like I mentioned, that's a split second, a choice to make. And I, I think sometimes we take those moments, those precious moments for granted. There's a story in the Bible about two men, you may know it, named Paul and Silas. Both men were sharing the good news about Jesus all through Philippi, which is a city. And they were arrested, they were severely beaten, and they were thrown in prison. So the Bible says in Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Okay, let me stop there. So Paul and Silas, who were just arrested, they were beaten, they were facing who knows what in their future, could have been death, were praying and singing to God. And the thing I love about that little passage too is that it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. So there was other people that were listening to their joy. Then we read, suddenly there was a a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what may I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So not only was the joy and the rejoicing that Paul and Silas shared strong enough to break the prison doors open, but it was strong enough to change one man and his whole family's eternity. And that joy couldn't be contained. They had to let that out. And the other prisoners that were there for who knows what were listening and they were being affected whether they know it or not. So earlier this year in April, uh, my, my dad actually had a pretty severe heart attack. If you know, I didn't know anything about the heart before his heart attack, but if you know anything about the heart, there's four main arteries that connect to it and all four arteries of his heart were almost 100% blocked. And so it was on a Saturday morning, my mom calls me. My mom is a pretty bubbly person in general. And she calls me and she's like, hey, how's your morning? How, how's the dog? How's Sam? Oh, that's awesome. What are you doing this weekend? Just like chatting like normal. Okay, we're getting ready to end the conversation, I think. And then she goes, well, I just want to keep you in the loop on something. Your dad had a pretty severe heart attack. He's unresponsive. And he's in the ambulance. I'm, I'm, I'm driving behind it. <laughs> he's in the ambulance. And, but you know what? And I'm thinking like, what? Like, your, your husband just had a heart attack. My dad just had a heart attack. Like, where, where is this going? And she just stopped and she said, you know what, though? We're good. Your dad is good. I am good. We are good. And God has got this. So you don't need to worry about anything. And I think about that because in the face of a tragic situation, she had a choice. She had a choice to choose the fear and the anxiety and the possible death that could come with that. Or a choice to choose the joy and the rejoicing and thank you, God, that I have my family and that that I am here and so on and so on. And the thing that I think is so cool is her peace and her joy affected me so much that I said, I don't need to worry. 
And when we have that joy and that peace for other people, it affects them more than you know. Now, I don't know what you came in this room carrying. I don't know what you came in this room walking through. Whatever reality you find yourself in, bring the Lord into that because he already knows. Make the joy that he's given you the reality of the situation. You are far too precious and perfect in the Lord's sight to crumble under the circumstances of this world. So if we understand that joy is not circumstantial and that we have the ability to choose joy, now it's our responsibility to share it. In Hebrews 12, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ endured the cross not because he was just saving us from our sins, but he knew that by doing that, it would bring a joy to our hearts that we can live with that stands the test of any situation that we go to. When we have a a joy against impossible circumstances or tragic situations, that's a joy that doesn't make sense to the world. And I don't know about you, but I think the world needs more of what doesn't make sense to us right now. So I had the opportunity a few months ago to go to a country um, where the gospel and Jesus Christ is not super well known. It's actually illegal to be a Christian there. And a lot of Christians are persecuted for their beliefs and for any kind of relationship with Jesus. Um, And I met, we met a man there. um, And this man had lived his whole life kind of in the shadows. He was drinking, he was partying, he was super successful. So on the outside, it looked like his life was good, that he was happy. But the way that he talked about it, he said he felt like he was a walking corpse. He was a living corpse and that there was no light and no hope. And he was always seeking for the next best thing. And he actually found himself in a hospital because he had attempted to take his own life. And in that hospital, it was the words of one nurse who was a missionary in that country that brought him the good news of Jesus. And it brought him this hope that he had been searching for his whole life. And so his life was radically changed that day. And we know that when radical change happens, radical life change happens, people notice. It's not like you just go about your life or you have the, the friends that you had before and they don't question it. So he had this friend that was really questioning what was going on because all of the people around him were searching for this, this thing that would fill the emptiness inside of them. And so this friend, he had lived a little bit further away from him at the time, drove through the mountains on his motorcycle for three hours to come to meet this man whose life had been changed. And when I, we don't know the end of that story. We don't know if his life was changed. We can pray and hope that it was by the good news of Jesus Christ. But what it shows is that when this, life's, this man's life was radically changed, he accepted the joy of the Lord into his heart. And when he did that, it shone through. It was hard to, to put that in the shadows because it shone through to other people. And it was different. It is what the world doesn't see. So you may have come here tonight feeling defeated, feeling like there's nothing left to be joyful for. Or you may feel like, well, I have enough joy for my life, but I don't know how to give that to other people. That's really hard for me to give to other people. Please grab a hold of this tonight. Just the opposite of all those things is true. You are enough. You do have joy in your heart. You can, you have the choice to choose joy against the most impossible situations. 
And when we, whenever we need a reminder of why we should be joyful, think of these things. In the Bible, it says, and I'm going to just spitfire these at you. It says, Jesus set us free. John 8, 36. We are adopted into his family. We are a family. Ephesians 1, 5. We are found. Luke 15, 32. Suffering is temporal and eternity is a long time. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. God is for us, so who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Jesus has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103, 12. You are loved more than you will ever comprehend. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Um, Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary who spent 51 years in the early 1900s in China spreading the gospel and the good news. And he said, this is one of my favorite quotes, so please grab a hold of this. There are three stages to every work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Then it is done. So I'm a, I'm a finisher. I don't know about you. You know, there's people, we talk about people that are really good at starting things, people that are really good at carrying it through, and people that are really great at finishing. So I'm a finisher. I like to start something and end it and end it well. And what I love about our God is that he's a finisher. Okay, so when Christ died for us on the cross, he finished it for us. We are forgiven for our sins because he died on the cross for us. And when that happened, a joy was brought into the world, into our hearts. That whatever circumstance we find ourselves walking through that this world brings into our life or this world puts on our shoulders, that that joy can surpass the circumstance. A joy that stands the test of a December 26th. In his writings, Hudson Taylor, who I mentioned, describes a threefold joy of the Lord. His joy in ransoming us, his joy in dwelling within us, and his joy in possessing us as his delight. It is knowing this joy that brings us strength. So, so our joy in the Lord may waver from time to time, but his joy in us never wavers. His joy in us is so strong and he loves each one of us so much. So let 2020 be the year where you choose joy. On Christmas Eve, God gave us the best Christmas gift ever, a light that never fades. And that light is for us. That light lives inside of us. We are called to carry that light no matter what the circumstance, no matter, no matter the season, no matter the situation. Let 2020 be the year where we smile bigger, laugh harder, and fix our eyes on the joy that has been sealed in our hearts and on our lives. Have you enjoyed church tonight, everyone? That's awesome. All right, let me pray. Lord, just thank you so much for each and every person in this room. Thank you for the gifts and the abilities that you've given to them. Thank you for just the blessings that you've poured out on their lives. I pray for each and every person in this room that whatever they walked in this room with, whatever they feel like they're carrying, that they have a confidence in you, that the joy you have placed in their hearts and sealed on their lives is bigger than that circumstance or that situation in that season. I pray that in 2020, we walk with more joy. We walk with more joy and more light. Lord, just thank you for everything that you've given to us. Pray that you push us more and you mold us more into who you would like us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can stand here.